Let's take off, baby. Let's just drive, honey, into the night sky, to the sunset shine, into the day, baby. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. This is Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. Oakland County's celebration of the arts, beats, and eats comes alive in Royal Oak this September. America's summer game is baseball, but in Lake Orion, bocce ball is a thing at Palazzo di Bocce. Summer 2022 will be a memory soon, but there's no need to put away the camping gear. Fall is a great time to pitch a tent in pure Michigan. And there's nowhere like the Keweenaw to hit the trails. We travel Michigan next, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Welcome to Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan, and I'm really thrilled to be back with you again this week so we can talk about some of the uh, really cool things that are happening here in Pure Michigan. You know, we're going through this this transition really soon where we start uh, to take that little slide toward the cooler weather. That's okay with me. I, I really love fall. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I think you probably heard me say many times, winter is my favorite time. So, I know a lot of people love summer and they can't wait for it already to come back even before it, it ends. So let's get out there and enjoy what's left of this summer as we transition into fall right here in Pure Michigan. And we have some really great suggestions for you in today's program. So stick around for the entire show. We're going to start out in Lake Orion at a really unique place. You know, America loves baseball. It's our game, especially at this time of year. But... There is a place in Michigan where you can enjoy the game of bocce, B-O-C-C-E, bocce. Let's find out all about that. Uh, and the place is Palazzo di Bocce. The young man we're going to talk to to find out more about it and some really cool things happening there is Andy Zimmerman. He is Outreach and Development Coordinator with the American Bocce Company. Andy, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Dave. Well, you know, I need to ask you a little bit about the place, Palazzo di Bacci. You're on Lapeer Road, I know, on Lake Orion. I've been there, but it's been a long time. Um, tell us about Palazzo di Bacci. What do you do there? Well, Palazzo di Bacci is a uh, absolutely beautiful restaurant and bar that happens to have 10 full-size uh, international bocce courts. Uh, and by full-size, I mean 86 feet long, 13 feet wide, times 10. They have 10 of these courts inside, and this is a public facility where anybody is welcome to walk in off the street and rent a court and roll their hearts out while uh, eating delicious food and uh, having drinks. Um, they also run leagues weekly. Uh, I am not, you know, I am from Chicago, so I'm not sure the schedule of their leagues, but they have leagues almost every night of the week uh, for their members, too. What a unique thing. You know, you go to a, like a Tigers game, for instance, and you see those folks up in those those really fancy booths, and they're, they're enjoying really good food and up at the suites, and then watching the game. So here's kind of a similar thing where you can have a really nice meal, and you get to watch people play this game of bocce. 
Uh, so it's 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 kind of unique in that way. Uh, I, I don't know of any other place like this, at least in, in the area. So congrats for providing that uh, really unique experience. Now, the game itself, describe how that game is played. Well, uh, I will try and simplify it. It is the type of game that we say takes seconds to learn and a lifetime to master. Hmm. It is very simple. There is a small, uh, approximately two-inch ball called a Polino, and that is your target ball. And a team will throw the Polino out and then roll a larger ball, approximately four inches across, and try and get that ball as close to the Polino as they can. Uh, it then becomes the duty of the opposing team to get closer. So they'll continue to roll until they're closer. So the entire game is based on being close to a Polino, which is your target ball. Uh, but during the game, all kinds of things can happen. Uh, the target can move. Your balls can get knocked out of play. Uh, there's a lot of technical rules that will make it interesting. Uh, and I loved your comparison to baseball because it is very similar to baseball in that every bocce game you ever attend to watch or to play in, you might see something you've never seen before. Yeah. It is, it yeah. is that, there's a lot of variables. Yeah, you're likely not going to have that great catch in the outfield. But, you know, besides that, everything, besides everything's... That, yeah, you know, it's just, kinda... just the unique nature of the sport... Uh, allows for, you know, once-in-a-lifetime occurrences to happen more often than you'd think. Oh, that sounds like fun. Well, now, you have a, a big uh, tournament of, of sorts coming to Palazzo de Bacci. It's coming up September 9th and 10th. Tell us about that. Uh, yes, this is the American Bocce Open 22. This is our second annual national tournament that the American Bocce Company is hosting, and we are featuring... Uh, this is very unique to bocce. We are featuring a gold and a silver division. So the gold division, this is the nation's best players. These are your club champions. These are the traveling tournament players. You know, these players probably own their own balls. A lot of them own their own shoes. These are America's serious, committed traveling bocce players. Uh, whereas the silver division, this might be more for you, Dave, uh, where this is the you know, the barbecue bocce players, you know, the backyard champions, you know, the bartender's best friends. These are people that like to hang out. They love to have a good time and also love the game of bocce, just aren't quite ready to compete against the best. And uh, what, <laughs> what the is least. so great about this sport is that it, it just does not discriminate. There's, you know, any size, shape, gender, uh, background, age, you know, heights, none of this, none of this can deter how good of a bocce player you can become. And, and we at the American Bocce Company, we believe, you know, if you play in your backyard and you love bocce, if you play on a beach and you love bocce, or if you travel overseas and play international competition, you know, your love of the game can be the same. You can, you can love the game just as much as the best players in the world. And that's what we really want to embrace with this tournament. Well, it sounds great. And since you brought in the food, it even sounds better. So it's Palazzo di Bocce. It's in Lake Orient. coming up the 9th and 10th of September. Now, in addition to the gold and the silver divisions, I know Andy and I were talking before we went on the air, there's going to be a skills competition, too. So that's cool. And then those divisional players, they all play a minimum of like six games over those two days. So there's plenty to see at the big event, the 9th and the 10th of September at Palazzo de Bocce. For more information, go to the website, AmericanBocceCo.com, AmericanBocceCo.com. And our thanks to Andy Zimmerman for being with us today. We're going to check out a big event in Royal Oak next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at Michigan.org.
It's Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. And as we, uh, you know, we're kind of to that point of the year where we're kind of toward the end of the summer. Before you know it, these fall events will start to pick up. And there's something, I think, really great about fall events because typically you still have those comfortable days, little crisper, cooler nights as the uh, days get a little bit shorter. And I love that for outdoor events. Seems like you can get around in comfort. Maybe just bring your your fleece or something like that and have a really good time at whatever you do. And one of the things you're going to want to do is head to Royal Oak. Yeah, each year, Oakland County's uh, big, big event happens. And this is happening Labor Day weekend, September 2nd through 5th. It is the Soaring Eagle Arts Beats and Eats event. And to find out what we're going to be doing there, let's bring in organizer John Witz. John, how are you? I'm doing great, uh, Dave. Just it's it's exciting, um, you know. Coming up soon, our our 25th year of bringing uh, art, music, and food of the highest quality to the region, and uh, just excited to still be still be going and going strong. Because I would say, you know, nine of our best. Uh, top 10 years have been in the last, you know, 15. I mean, it's been, you know, we're we're hitting our stride, and uh, it's exciting being 25 years old and, and being at our best. Well, I bet. Uh, you know, this has become one of the biggest events of the holiday weekend, and you've done such a great job, and you've made changes over the time. I mean, when you started 25 years ago, did you ever think that it was going to become what it is today? I, I didn't. Um, I had great feelings about it, but, you know, no idea where we were going. Certainly no idea that we would get from Pontiac to Royal Oak and no idea that we'd be ranked as high as the seventh best art show in the country and get to bring in the level of music acts that we've brought in. And as you've said, you know, in, in your question, I mean, there's been a lot of lessons learned over that time and uh you know we definitely try to you know apply them and uh and excited about that and one of those big lessons is just collaborating with community organizations and 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 that's been a great journey and blessing as well on our ability to create a lot of positive donations over time and in our 25th year we expect to be over 6.5 million dollars raised for nonprofits and just another one of the things that we're excited about as we uh, turn 25. Well, I think this was one of the first big events that I can think of that really celebrated more than like one thing. Like, for instance, you know, there are a lot of art shows, a lot of music festivals, a lot of food festivals and such. But you brought it all together and you're still doing that. So when people come to Royal Oak this early September, uh, what uh, are they going to be looking for? Well, let's start with the music because we 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 definitely spent the the most on a music budget in our history in in uh, 2022. So, our our music lineup. I'll just mention the Nationals uh, fits in the tantrums on Friday, along with the Average White Band and Tommy DeCarlo, the lead singer of Boston, doing all the Boston hits. That is Friday night. Uh, Saturday, Beatlemania Live is back. And they always draw big crowds and are a big favorite. Uh, Chevelle uh, Rock Band is playing after them. And then 311, the 90s alternative uh, superstar band, is is also joining us on 
Sunday, we're going a little country. Uh, Jackson Dean, who's got one of the top hits in the country, an emerging artist that will you know, be of uh, national acclaim any second and kind of is already. Uh, Chase Rice is also performing. You know, we have um, Sponge, alternative band as well, playing on Sunday. And then Monday, our headliner is Flo Rida and ton of hits. And also Montel Jordan, uh, Rob Bass, and then your generation, who's been a staple for us, uh, you know, just doing all the hits of the 90s and 2000s, uh, you know, that are, are done to perfection, almost, you know, as good as the original artists themselves. So wow. it's just a great national lineup that we have. And then, you know, we'll have 160 local bands on nine stages. So our our, our investment just in music performers is, is near three quarters of a million dollars this oh, year. So it's 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 a big investment and and yet you can get into the festival for only five dollars before three o'clock and ten dollars after uh and see some great bands well you can see why so many people love this festival i mean it's a big deal you you get hundreds of thousands of people that come out where, where does everything stage for this event so we are we are about 18 blocks of the downtown and i have great news for anyone who has been driving through royal oak all the construction is uh, complete, so that is exciting. Um, but we were held, our North Point is 2nd Street, our uh, East Point is Main Street, although we don't cross or close Main. Our West Point is Lafayette, and our Southern Point is Lincoln. And the city has been great because there's a lot of parking decks there, Oakland Community College supports us with a parking deck, so you can park and walk a block or two and get into these 18 blocks. The art fair is to the south. Music is everywhere. Uh, the food is the you know is on Washington, but we've got food on Center Street and Seventh, so we, it's it's spread around as well. The family activities. There's a North Carnival and a Kitty Carnival to the south. Um, it's it's a festival of the senses in the sense you you turn on a street there's a different smell a different sight a different sound and um it's just been a great recipe for for good times for uh, for families and and residents of the region well with that construction finished at least for now uh, that's a reason to celebrate so people will be in the mood uh, now now of course more than just music this is arts beats and eats so tell us about the eats part Sure. And that's one of the, the, the nice uh, evolutions of the event uh, is we've gone and we still have many restaurants, but we've also have, uh, you know, a presence of food trucks now that we haven't had in the, the past that just bring a different look and texture to the event, you know, colorful backdrops and, and you know, it, it allows you to, you know, vary into, you know, the themes from Wingstop to, you know, Chris Spelly's, um, you know, we, uh, Real Taco Express. I mean, there's just, you know, there'll probably be, it used to be 55 restaurants. Now we're like 30 restaurants and 20 food trucks. So it's, it's really kind of evolved and it just adds more color, more flavor, more small business participation and, and, you know, we're thrilled with the food and, and another underdog of, the food scene is that, you know, if it does get hot or if you do want to sit down more than the seating that's offered, 
there's 75 restaurants within walking distance of the event. So people wow. will take a seat at Luigi's Italian or Lily's Seafood or walk over to Main Street and enjoy Tom's Oyster Bar and then come right back into the festival with their wristband. So there's a way to get some air conditioning or sit down, support a local Royal Oak downtown business, as well as enjoy the food. So it's really, you know, 55 food spots. But if you look at it, you really have a choice of 125 when you can grab some live music, leave the event, come back in. It's just it's very free flowing between the festival and the downtown. I do that all the time. In fact, when I'm in downtown festivals, try to support the restaurants. But, you know, the fact is the festival will bring you into town and you get exposed to these places. So you'll you'll come back as well. So on the arts side, uh, what do people look for? Well, on the art, we the, we the jury process delivers amazing artwork. So we'll have 400 to 500 applicants for 132 spaces. And uh, there is really a price range and a medium for everybody. But the quality is in the jury process. Yeah. We have artists representing 33 states, uh, Mexico and Canada. And it's just going to be a fabulous uh art show the family activities will be great and, and, and it just, just kind of excited goes, for a great weekend yeah it goes on and on the uh, soaring eagles uh, arts beats and eats presented by flagstar bank uh, in royal oak september 2nd through 5th always a great time for information go to artsbeatseats.com and our thanks to john witz for being with us today we're going to talk about fall camping next here on travel michigan where your trip begins at michigan.org It's Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. I tell you, I, I, I love camping in a tent. A lot of people really like those really nice, fancy RVs, and I don't blame them. It's, it's really cool to be in those. But for me and for my wife, we still like to do tent camping every so often, even though it's getting a little rough on the knees uh, getting around. But there's something I think special about going to a campground, whether it be a Michigan State campground or one of the private campgrounds. And just kind of being with nature, you know, making the food on the fire and, you know, just kind of taking it easy. It's quiet. It's, you can hear the, the birds and the wind blowing through the trees, all that. I, I love it. And it's really neat to be in a state where you can do that comfortably for much of the year. As we look toward the fall, there are going to be a lot of camping opportunities you're going to want to take advantage of and some other special things. Let's let's bring in John Lindley from MARVAC, the Michigan Association of Recreational Vehicles and Campgrounds, to talk about the whole camping world, RVs, how they're doing, how camping is doing and all that. John, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's always great to be with you. Same here. And, of course, this world of camping is one of those things that's changed a lot. Um, and and out of the pandemic, I think a lot of people were looking to get a little closer to nature, to reality, to, to you know, what the essence of life. And that's one of the reasons that people go camping, right? Without question. I, we like to call it the original social distancing, Dave. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I, I would never paint any of the, the impact of the, the pandemic in a positive light, but a lot of people did either discover the outdoors for the first time or rediscover the outdoors 
and and did so through a, a campground um, and the camping and RV lifestyle. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I, I noticed at my local campgrounds, I near, I lived near P.J. Hoffmaster State Park on the uh, Muskegon and Ottawa County border, and I have to tell you, we're we're seeing those RVs go by all the time. I mean, more so this year and last year than I ever remember seeing before. So something tells me, even with the high cost of gas, that people are getting out there and doing some camping. There's no doubt about it. In, in, in 2021, David, there were 57 million households in the United States that, that reported they went on at least one camping trip. And that's a huge increase year over year, mm. um, from, even from 2020. Um, and in fact, 9.1 million of those households were first time campers in 2021. Um, the, the numbers have been somewhat staggering. Yeah, I bet. And, and something tells me that, that this year, I mean, my big guess is because of those cost of, of gas prices, you know, all going up so high, I'm just assuming that, that people carrying those big campers behind them, um, I, I bet a lot of them are staying relatively close to home this year. Any idea if that's true? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. What we've found study after study is when gas prices are, are elevated as they are right now, people generally don't cancel their plans, Dave. They, they alter their plans, um, which really, frankly, can, can have a positive impact on us here in Michigan where you know maybe that trip out west to, to Yellowstone or to Monument National Park has turned into a, a trip up north to the Porcupine Mountains or the Straits of Mackinac instead. People tend to stay closer to home or tend to stay in one location for a longer period of time, but they're still going to go. Yeah, I think you're right. So um, for this year, what are some of the areas that seem to be the most popular? Are, are they really mostly the, the state campgrounds, or are people discovering those private campgrounds as well? Well, Dave, we're fortunate here in Michigan. We've got roughly 1,300 licensed campgrounds in the state of Michigan, everywhere from the southern border of the state um, you know, places like Cranberry Lake Campground in southwest Michigan, uh, Warren Dune State Park, all the way up to, you know, uh, Cedar Valley RV Park outside of Lewiston, Autrain Beach in, in Munising, and, of course, to the popular spot over um, in the western UP around the Porcupine Mountains. There truly is something for everybody in every corner of, of this great state that we have. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Now, do you sense that people are, are going to the RVs, the, you know, the really beautiful RVs that are out there, either the pull-behinds or the powered RVs, or are people still using those tents and a little more rustic experiences as, as well? You know, it's, it's funny that you should ask. Two of the largest trends that we've seen in, in the RV and camping industry right now are, are actually somewhat competing trends, believe it or not, um, if you'll bear with me. Number one is uh, a demand for increased technology and capabilities within RVs. So people found, especially through the pandemic, that, that they could work a little bit re remotely, maybe extend that two-day weekend to a three- or four-day weekend or that three-day weekend to a five-day weekend and work one day remote. And so they want things like Wi-Fi and other, other you know, technological capabilities in their, in their camping experience. And that's, that's one trend that we've seen has, has really impacted the industry. The other one, um, again, which is, is, is somewhat competing with it, is this desire for boondocking or off-grid camping, um, not in a campground or not in an RV park, 
but but someplace uh, you know in between where maybe it takes a little bit of effort to get your your camper or your RV um, or your tent to that place, and you're away from your neighbors. You're out in nature. You have no power, and so the the industry has has been evolving to meet those demands through both um, the RVs that are being manufactured and the supplies around them. Well, you know, we're installing these EV charging stations at several of the Michigan state parks along the Lake Michigan shoreline, hoping that the other states, you know, follow so that that people going to state parks can quickly or at least easily charge their vehicles. I'm wondering if that's going to affect camping at all. We will see sometime in the next couple of years um, electric motorized, you know, motorhomes normalized and and product lines at every RV dealership across the state. Um, that's coming without question. There are uh, prototypes out there right now. Um, the popularity at the moment is more about, you know, the tent campers that arrive in, a, in an EV or those um, often you'll see a, a large class C or class A motorhome going down the highway that's that's pulling a vehicle behind them. And often those are electric vehicles. Um, so the, the need is is there without question. Yeah, I've always liked, um, you know, as I look at the technology coming out for RVs, I really like those kind of teardrop little teeny trailers that have come out. But I also like this relatively new, I guess it's like a big van, and then they have like ladders that go up at some point, and this kind of um, system that kind of unfold at top like a tent. I think that's really cool that you could, in effect, be in a tent on the top of your van. Very interesting. Yeah, and 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 we've seen that evolve from the from the 70s. You know, Volkswagen did them back in the day with the buses, and and they've evolved over time. The the Class B vans that you're referencing are are very popular, um, without question, um, throughout throughout the industry. We've seen, as I was mentioning, that trend of of boondocking. One of the things that we've seen in some of those in the RVs that are happening right now is things like more aggressive wheelbases and and suspension and chassis, more more um, rugged tires larger holding tanks and solar capabilities so that people can be quote unquote off grid for a longer period of time. Yeah. I love that, that thought. Well, if somebody wants to step up from their current gear and go into a a different system, or maybe they're starting their uh, kind of the collection of their, their campground um, uh, tech, I know that they're going to have an opportunity pretty soon in Novi at the suburban collection showplace to check out all all the new RVs and such. Uh, tell us about that big show that you have each year. Yeah, so from September, Wednesday, September 28th through Sunday, October 2nd at the Suburban Collection Showplace there in Novi, right off 96, we'll, we'll be having our, our, uh, our annual fall Detroit uh, RV and, and campground show. We'll have uh, just under 400 RVs under one roof for those five days um, in, in Detroit. Dozens of campgrounds will be exhibitors, exhibiting parts, suppliers, other accessories. Um, just a, a fantastic show for those five days uh, this fall. And I know you do these shows from time to time in other places around the state. This is probably, I'm guessing, this is maybe the last one of the season? It's the last one of the season in the fall. Yep, absolutely. We do want to cap off the season. And then when the calendar flips, um, there in the first quarter of 2023, we'll be presenting at least five shows um, back again in Novi and then Battle Creek, Flint, Port Huron, and Traverse City. 
Well, if anybody wants information about your association, your website, I know, is full of uh, contact information. Do you have actually a listing of campgrounds on the website? We do. Um, it's, it's, I'm glad that you asked. Our website is a wealth of information for anybody, um, either a seasoned veteran of the camping and RV lifestyle to somebody who's looking to get into it for the, for the first time. Um, and, and that includes a, a digital version of our um, campground directory. Of course, it's, it's free if you wanted it in print, full color, 68 pages. All you have to do is, is ask us for a copy and we'll send it to you. But the mobile-friendly and digital version is available at michiganrvandcampgrounds.org. Fantastic. Thank you, John Lindley from Marvac. Get out there, do some camping this year. One of the places you might want to head to is the Keweenaw. We'll tell you why next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. We were just talking about camping in Michigan. I can't think of a better place to camp than way up north. I mean, way up north. I may have mentioned before that on our honeymoon, my wife and I went camping. Yes, we did. Big spender that I am. We went up to um, the Porcupine Mountains in the Upper Peninsula. And I have to tell you, it was a spectacular experience. There, there's something really special about the Upper Peninsula. I love all of the state. I love all of the places you can enjoy nature. But being up there in that fresh air, in that, that UP uh, atmosphere, there's just something really special. And if you want to go way up, you have to go up the Keweenaw Peninsula where there are always really cool things happening. Let's bring in Brad Barnett. Brad is the executive director of the Keweenaw Area Convention Visitors Bureau. Brad, uh, really happy you can join us, especially uh, because we get to talk about where you get to live all the time. Well, hey, Dave, thanks for having me up here uh, on the show today. Uh, the Keweenaw certainly is a special place, just like uh, uh, all of Michigan. And, uh, you know, especially as we, we were talking about, you know, fall coming up, it's, uh, it's a magical time of year to come to the Keweenaw Peninsula, not just because of the late summer activities and the beautiful fall colors, but a lot of the outdoor recreation is still going full, full steam uh, up here. You know, Brad, as I was thinking about the fact that we were going to be talking today, my memory immediately went to the day that you and I were there. I think we had some travel riders with us, if I remember right. And we, we went to a couple of places. One was a trail... Hungarian Falls Trail is that what it was called? Yeah, that's it. That's a it's a beautiful scenic uh, Keweenaw Land Trust site, tucked uh, just just a few minutes away from the city of Houghton. Uh, you wouldn't even know it exists, but it's a series of beautiful falls. Some as some as tall as as forty feet and drop, and uh, it's just a, a wonderful place to hike and even snowshoe in the winter. Yeah, it really was really pretty. So that was in the kind of like the Calumet region, right? Yeah, so that was, it's just outside of Calumet and Houghton. The, the good thing about the Key, we're a big place, but a lot of our small communities are pretty darn close together. But yeah, it's yeah. about 10 minutes away from Calumet or five minutes away from Houghton. Yeah, it's really something that uh, I would really highly recommend people find where that is and, and do a little a little uh, day hike out there. We also went to a place that we, we really can't talk about that much yet because we're hoping it becomes a state park. But we took this little walk through the woods and you showed me this place with this view 
that was indescribably beautiful. So I'm hoping that does become a state park. It would be spectacular. We're we're on the the early design stages, uh, so we're you know I believe you're speaking of uh, what we call it Houghton Douglas Falls, yep. and it's uh, actually Michigan's tallest waterfall. It's about a 110 foot drop. It's fed uh, by Hamill Creek, um, and it's a it's really you wouldn't even know it. You're driving on M26, and you're going past Lake Linden and heading up into the historic town of Calumet. And lo and behold, maybe a hundred yards away from M26 is Michigan's tallest waterfall, and you wouldn't even believe it. And and, and I take people back there, like yourself, only special people, of course, <laughs> only special people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and just let them take in that view. Uh, and uh, and and honestly, if you're on the the DNR snowmobile trail or ATV trail, you can hike into the bottom of the falls. It's only about a three quarters of a mile hike from the trail. Uh, and it's probably one of the most the coolest views in, in all of the Keweenaw Peninsula. I think you're right. Uh, I was I was just blown away. It was just something else. But but whenever I'm in the Keweenaw, I always try to make uh, a point of it to drive up to uh, Copper Harbor and then take that drive up to Brockway Mountain and take in the view there. I know a lot of people take those, what I take as drives, they either do mountain biking through the area or do some hiking. Uh, and I, I applaud that because hiking in the Keweenaw is something special. There are so many places you can go to, you know, old uh, mine areas. You have to be careful in those places, especially careful, more so than normal. And then um, you have all these other, you know, established trails all around. And, and to celebrate that, you are having the uh, Keweenaw Mountain Lodge Copper Harbor Trails Fest. It's coming up September 2nd through 4th. Is that all like at that Copper Harbor in that region? Yes. Yeah. The, the totality of the activities for the particular event is, is all in Copper Harbor, and it takes advantage of uh, that region's about 40 miles of single track mountain biking trails and, and it's continuing to grow. Um, so it's a, it's a fantastic festival, not just for, for bikers. Uh, there's great live music. Uh, there are guided uh, nature hikes um, around the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge. Uh, plenty of good beer from uh, local breweries and across the region. Um, so even if you're not a mountain biking enthusiast, um, which is, you know, there's a lot of races that happen, of course, at the event, but um, it's uh, it, it's still an incredible opportunity. It's a good excuse to sort of like wrap up summer here in the Keweenaw. Hmm. Unlike a lot of places in Michigan, you know, our winters come a, a little earlier. So uh, we <laughs> we like to send off summer and run into fall, and this is the event that sort of kicks everything off for us. So so you, basically you have different, different activities happening on that Saturday um I understand there's like a classic cross-country mountain bike race that happens. Yeah, exactly. So what, you know, a lot of people, when they think of mountain biking, Dave, and, and, and this includes me before I moved up to the Keweenaw, is you just think of people just, you know, like kind of trudging up steep hills or mountains on their bike, and, and, and that's really what the, what the sport is about. But in, in fact, mountain biking has evolved over the last 20 or 25 years to become competitive sports so you have true athletes who come in and compete in a variety of race events for this particular festival uh, including a cross-country ride 
Uh, there's also events called Enduros, which are, are, are again, test your sort of endurance, as the name implies, and also downhill races. Um, so this is where you're taking advantage of uh, some of Copper Harbor's probably most exciting uh, trails, which includes Overflow, which is uh, probably one of the most recognizable mountain biking trails in, in all of the Midwest. Um, new and improved, by the way. They actually updated that trail over the last uh, six months, oh. um, and uh, and they race. and uh, And so this is a this is a competitive event, but there are also kid friendly races um, at the uh, the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge. They have a trail system called the Back Nine Trails. Extremely family friendly trails. I can even ride on those trails, Dave. <laughs> and and so this this is where kids can get involved. And even if you're not a mountain biker, there's also uh, there's also trail running uh, races as well. I saw so, that. Uh, you know, yeah. So I know you're a runner, Dave, and I yeah. think that's something maybe you should come up for. I don't do a lot of trail running uh, because I'm always finding those roots sticking up, and uh, I go down a lot on those those types of trails. But it is a lot of fun, especially in a hot day, to go through a a tree covered uh, trail. Now I understand that uh, at least. Maybe it's just for the bike race, but I know there's a new trail that's going to be, in effect, uh, uh, unveiled uh, for this race as well. So that should be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So Copper Harbor, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, um, you know, their their trail system's always growing. Uh, and so within the last couple of years, they've extended out. Uh, it's called the Highland Trail. Um, that's going to be part of uh, their, their classic cross-country uh, race uh, that they'll be having, so so race participants will have the opportunity to cut their teeth on that new trail, uh, and then uh, the East uh, Bluff Bike Park, uh, which is is continuing to evolve in Copper Harbor. Their new trails are also going to be incorporated in, uh, I believe, in the Enduro race. So you've got a number of both brand new trails to try out up in Copper Harbor, as well as uh, updated trails from some of the most beloved ones that uh, that really sort of put Copper Harbor on the mountain biking map. Well, I know it's going to be a great time for the uh, participants and for the spectators as well. And just being in the Keweenaw is always a great time, uh, especially up at that Copper Harbor area. It's the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge Copper Harbor Trails Fest, and it's happening September 2nd through 4th up in the Keweenaw. For information, go to visitkeweenaw.com or go to copperharbortrails.org. I want to thank Brad Barnett for being with us today. And, folks, that is all the time we have for Travel Michigan this week. But uh, don't worry, we'll be back next week right here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling.